Hello, and welcome to episode 37 of the Drawn Today podcast, where we encourage you to draw every day. In this episode, we have some new voices along with some old favorites to discuss the topics of personal validation in the creation of your art, identifying where your personal niche in the market should be, and a discussion on strategies for long-term viability of your practice. Welcome to Drawn Today. Uh, today we have Aaron Miller, we have Mark Sheff, we have Clark Huggins, and Alan Douglas. So obviously I'm Aaron Miller, AaronBMiller.com. What's up? How are you guys doing? Good. This is Mark. MarkSheff.com. That's what I do. Uh. <laughs> Alan Douglas at AlanDouglasStudio.com. And I'm Clark Huggins at ClarkHugginsIllustrations.com. Excellent. Nice to hear from you guys again. So, all right. So let's get this thing rolling. Uh, We have three topics we want to kind of chew the fat over tonight. And the first one uh, is validation. Um, (laughs) Why do we need to show off and be seen? Can one make art anonymously? as an illustrator with only your clients and public seeing the results. Does all of this stem from feelings <laughs> of insecurity? I love so, the framing of this question. Yeah, it's, like, it, it's, it, it's like such a set. Such a set. Um, <laughs> Thanks Mike Sass. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Mike, Mike Sass wrote the questions for today and man, Mike has an opinion about this, huh? Yeah, I think he does. Uh, or he's, <laughs> he's at least setting up the discussion because, uh, at least for me, uh, there's nothing about it that I, I agree with. Um, <laughs> I would rephrase the question and say, yeah, I you know, agree. Ed- education. Why is it important to share your knowledge publicly? Um, or um, the showing off and being seen is akin to marketing. Um can a, can, can a product be oh, popular? No. Can, it, can a new can a new soda be as popular as Coke and Pepsi with zero marketing? I, I don't think so, um, and I think that's the same for us. I, you know, Aaron, can't, that soda. Yeah, I'm the I'm the new soda. MillerCola.com. <laughs> and I'm not calorie free, that's for sure. Well, why are you guys Why are you guys on this podcast? Uh, marketing. Well, <laughs> well, I think I think he has another point there. I think you can be in the industry and make a living at it without kind of going above and beyond and attending all the cons and doing podcasting or even educating, doing workshops or tutorials. Like you can you can exist in the industry and make a good living. And obviously, you have to show your work to somebody, and that would be the art directors. And I think that's his point: is you can get away. To, with doing that without doing all the other stuff. If you, if that's what suits you. I agree. Yeah. And I think that that the interesting thing about that is it's a question of how much you really feel like you need to engage as a person. I feel like it's not necessarily about validation. If you see showing your work at a convention or showing your work in public as an opportunity to just engage with other human beings if you're Emily Dickinson and you're happy hanging out in your room writing whatever and shoving it under your bed, that's great. But 
if that's not who you are and you feel like you actually want human contact and humor, human interaction, that's your moment. As an illustrator, that's your best opportunity to not just connect with your public or to market your work, but to actually just socialize. Yeah, not only that, for me, I found that I actually found people that actually knew my work and knew who I was, you know, that I had never met. And to me, that was a little eye-opening because I don't really go to a lot of cons and haven't been lately. But uh, the couple that I have gone to shows me that people do see your work even though you never hear from them, you know. So that's right. why it isn't – I think it, for me it's important to get out and actually meet people um, face-to-face. No, I absolutely agree. And I think um, if you have – like the more – you know, I, I don't think it's worth putting putting stuff out just just to just to say you have a blog or just to say you're you're doing it. But if you have something that you think is valuable and you can put out in a in a professional way that is in alignment with your brand um, and your brand as an artist is really basically your identity, um, I think that I think that there's value there because if you if you if you meet someone in person and then they see you you know sharing information on a blog or a podcast or a workshop or you know whatever all of this all of this adds to your to your brand it adds to your it, it's it is marketing but it adds to your brand it adds to the foundation of uh it, it it adds to what's when somebody looks at you they see they start to get an idea of the whole package there's lots of people out there like like Alan was saying who can who don't necessarily need to go to cons and don't necessarily need to do any of this stuff. Uh, you know, maybe, you know, maybe these are the heavies in the industry and they don't have to do a lot of that stuff. Um, but a lot of them do anyway. And it, you know, some of it's just a choice, but if you, like Aaron said, like if you're, if you're the new soda in town, you know, you, you, you gotta, you gotta show why in, in some respects you have to show why you're different and you can, and you can do that by sharing your knowledge and your process. Yeah, let me add one thing to my point earlier where I said that, yeah, you can get by by not doing a lot of that stuff, but you would be more successful and have a bigger brand if you did. Right. You know, so I think it it, it does help. And, and yeah, like, it's up to the individual I, person how much they want to do, obviously. I never would have heard of like Donato, you know, Donato or, or any of these guys that we all know because he does the cons that we go to. He does the illustration masterclass, which we went and learned from. And so, um, and you know, Donato's a good example, actually. I I, ne- I never would have known his work, um, and I recently you know introduced him to someone who who gave him a job. So you know, there you go. By by teaching, by putting himself out there in a you know in a workshop setting and in a con setting, he made a connection with something like, I'm, I'm not getting anybody work, but I did make this connection. So you know, I'm not his target market, but it you know, but by doing that, it kind of worked out. And the point is, you just you never know where that work is going to come from. Which is not to say that the only reason for doing that is is selfish, but it's everything. Everything we do as as, as artists is there is that 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 um, it's almost a dissonance, but it, but you have to you have to be okay with it. Which is, you know, we go out and we network. It's also called making friends, but it also is kind of so that we know more people, so that more people know our stuff, so that you know there's more possibilities for us to get work. That's not the only reason I like you guys, but it's a you know, but it's but it's both. You know, that, right. that also goes across all industries. I mean, networking is important in any business that you're in. Right. But it's not just about getting the gig. I actually, I think it's great. Like if you're doing, if you're doing networking, right, you're actually making real friends. 
Oh yeah. No, I agree. And I think that ultimately it's, it's a balance between you know, which is the sort of first order of business for you. Is it, I'm begrudgingly going to this con because I need to network and therefore I will choke down some conversations with other human beings. Right. Or am I being like, Oh, I'm in my studio for another day in a row. And if I don't talk to somebody, I'm going to lose my mind. So it's a question of, am I going to this con to network and I will tolerate some conversation, or is it I'm going to this con to to con- to have some conversation, and hopefully, as a byproduct of that, I'll get a bunch of networking done. Yeah, I think people can see through the former of what you mentioned. You know, right. if you go there and don't really want to be there, that, that's going to almost have a detrimental effect, I would think. You know, people might not want to work with you if they don't want to hang out with you. You know, so. Yeah, yeah I mean, it's, 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 definitely, it's definitely a balance. Like if you really, you know, the phrasing of the question, if you really are literally just showing off, if you're really, if you're really just doing it because you're insecure, I think that shows. Yeah. Um, and, I, and, I, and, I, and I can give you examples, but that's also not polite. Uh, it's, <laughs> but, but it's out there, you know. And you can, t- and you can, you can smell it, man. You can smell it. <laughs> Yeah, but his, yeah, his, his phrasing of the question is a little odd. Like the the showing off. What would you consider the showing off? Well, I guess we'd have to ask Mike, right? Yeah, I mean, I I, I wonder who he's thinking of. I mean, I, you know, it's, I I don't know I don't know what he thinks of of our of I uh, guess like it depends Aaron, on the, the awesome work stuff. But I guess it depends on the personality because often I don't know about you guys, but when I step into the con- the convention. Um, especially as as another artist, I I ugh, I, <laughs> I I immediately do the self critique. Uh, my work's not good enough. I can't believe the awesome guys that are here. I, I don't, you know, you know, you go through all that, and I, I've never, you know, and that is really interesting that you say that because I've seen you in convention mode before personally, and you know, you wearing your like rocking sort of Vegas Elvis sunglasses. <laughs> <laughs> and you know you're like you're doing your thing, and it it looks to me like you are actually really happy and enjoying yourself, and you know I'll rocking try. your glasses and acting, having <laughs> or is it just showing up? I mean, to to you know to in my experience, Aaron is actually you know showing up and being present and connecting with other people, which I think is a great human thing to do. And yeah. for me the driving factor behind doing any of these, you know, kind of social engagement situations as, uh, as an artist. Hey guys, I'm going to add Jeff and see if he's, uh, he says he's here. So let's see if he can get on the call. Jeff. Yes, I'm here. Hey, welcome. Jeff. Wow. How much fun is it? What's that? (laughs) I had so much fun uh, hooking up. I can't tell you how, uh, how much I like, technology right now (laughs) (laughs) well we're in the middle of topic number one uh but i think we might actually sort of be at the end of the topic maybe we should move to the second topic and and start fresh with this new group i'm all about that yeah this jeff johnson added to the group what's up jeff excellent welcome jeff hi guys Hey there. All right. All right. Listen, so, before we leave topic number oh, one, one of the most sure. important things for me about that topic is to the, the question is phrased: Does all of this stem from feelings of insecurity? And oh, I would yeah, say, yeah, that's a good question. You know, that's a good point. It is. 
I would argue we've been arguing with the language of how this has been phrased. And for me, it really stems from more of a question of being able to make a connection. You know, you don't paint a bunch of stuff because you feel like you have nothing to say. I feel like if you're painting stuff, clearly you have something you want to get across, whether it's this is cool or I think that this is meaningful or I'm very sad right now or I'm really pissed off right now or whatever. Like you don't sit down to paint unless you've got something to contribute and being able to show up at a social engagement of some kind is your opportunity to actually talk face to face about the stuff that you do. So I don't necessarily know that it's, I would argue that it's not about validation or or not about insecurity, but actually about a drive or desire to connect with other people. Yeah. God, if you're, if you're, if you're looking for validation, don't, don't get a table at a con. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I guess I that's what I. <laughs> I guess that's I what I you really have those feelings. Sojourn, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> I think if you really have those feelings of insecurity, you probably wouldn't show up at the con, right? right. I don't know. Uh, I guess that's what I meant uh, uh, when I was talking about my feelings of being at a convention. You know, I. I think it's the normal artist's feelings to be kind of humbled and inspired at the same time. And I don't think it's just those relatively new to the field. I think everybody there, even the top of the field, get those feelings of inspiration from all the art that they see. Yeah, I feel overwhelmed all the time. Every time I see another artist, I'm like, wow, I can't (laughs) believe that somebody could be that good. And they're probably thinking the same thing about me. <laughs> definitely is yeah, that's right. an, an inherent weirdness to actually, you know, not just metaphorically, but physically standing by your work. You know, you're actually putting it out there that you are, you know, I'm not just standing by my work in a, in a, in a, in a metaphorical sense, but I'm actually physically standing by my work right now for people to come up to and either, you know, be disinterested in or be really interested in or to ask me questions about. And I think that that is kind of uh, a vulnerable place to be, but also an awesome place to be. And I think that that, um, you know, the, the, the dissonance between this feels horrible and this feels awesome is part of, it's part of the deal. Yeah. And that can make people more interested in your work too. If you share little stories about the pieces and things like that. Well, it's little stories about the pieces. I think that are, are, are what the opportunity Really, really, that's like the the best part of the opportunity is to actually be like, oh, well, you know, this was going on at that time. This is kind of about that. And I think that it gives you an opportunity to, yes, to network and, yeah, to to maybe get new clients or to get new people interested in your work, but also to just engage with other people about sharing the things that are going through your head while you're doing your work. What do you think about getting models to hold your paintings for you and display them, like on The Price is Right? Yeah, what do you think? Does that ever work for you? That's a great idea. (laughs) It actually did sort of work for me once. I got Caroline Himmelman to man my table for like 10 minutes, and she sold more prints than I think I did all weekend. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But hey, let's 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 get to the next topic. All right. So, Mr. Moderator. The sweet spot, identifying the type of work that is best for you. Uh, helps you be successful through matching your interests, skills, and time with art production that is harmonious with those constraints. Uh, okay. All right. Maybe this, this <laughs> it's easier to talk about. What type of workflow should nat- naturally 
What? All right, I gotta, I gotta. English read is that. your native tongue. <laughs> I know, but there's, there's a few words in here that uh, don't work. Aaron, right, so gotta... Aaron, you're better than this. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. What type of work should flow naturally from your situation and lead to success? Are you pushing for a result that is not natural to your skill set or interests? Uh, is your medium the right one for your aptitude? The sweet spot. Uh, I, I guess you know a, a, one way to put it for some people is digital or traditional. Uh, I think that's I, I think that's missing the mark a little bit. I mean, I, I know I know that Mike was talking to me when he asked this question um, because he told me. But I oh. think what, what what Mike is uh, what he's what he's at he's addressing something that's a little bit nebulous. And, um, and I'll just, I don't have like a general life lesson, but I can tell you my experience, which I, which might describe it. My experience is, you know, I got in, I went to art school and I saw a lot of people doing a lot of different stuff and I tried to do that stuff and it like sort of happened. And then I went to the IMC and I saw a lot of people doing this really great, you know, high finish fantasy, realistic looking stuff. And I went after that and, you know, some success there. Uh, recently I've discovered that what I really like to make is actually something a little bit different. And since I've started to just let myself make that stuff, I've been a lot happier and I've found more success how I how, in the ways that I measure success. So I don't think it's a matter of just like, Oh, digital or traditional. Like maybe, maybe you don't like oils. Maybe you like watercolors. There's part of that. That's true. Um, but it's also, it's like the same thing with you take that same, you know, maybe I'm using the wrong medium to style, to uh, subject matter, to target Form clients. Say, say again. Form is the word I've heard used to describe that. It's your basic the the architecture of your uh, um, of your image making. Exactly. Yeah, that's right. Well, what exactly did you change? Is it is it market based? Is it conceptual versus narrative? Is it medium? Definitely didn't change my medium, but I did accept the fact that I'm a digital artist right now. Oh, and, nice. and that was, that was actually an interesting uh, realization. Um, a little target market, a little bit subject matter, a little bit, uh, definitely style, you know, the stuff, the stuff that I'm kind of working on now and trying to work with now is not something that is necessarily taught in any of the places that I've, I've been taught in the past. It's definitely something that, um, yeah, it's 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 not something that I've necessarily seen exactly before, which which made it hard to see. You know, it's easy to see. It's easy to go look at, you know, any of the people that we look up to and say, oh, okay, I'll learn how to I'll learn how to do that. But then to take it and and figure out where you know, how to how to insert how to speak it with your own voice, I think that's harder. Yeah. When I read this question, I almost think that it's um. Yeah, you can't rush it. My my response to it is time will tell. You'll you'll learn over time what mediums you like to use, how you like to work, what kind of markets you're best suited for. Yeah. Uh, you know, if you yeah, try to sit like down, yeah, if you try to sit down and, and try to come up with a quote unquote style or, or hit a certain market, that gets very difficult very quick. And you can get caught in a trap of being derivative. And uh, I think it's like <laughs> you're saying, Alan. It's a uh, uh, it's almost looking backwards. And looking at what you've been doing, and you find out what your interests are exactly. by yeah, yeah. what you've actually done. Exactly. Well, what, what I think is interesting is that 
it sounds like everybody is having their own very personal reaction to this question and its phrasing because it sounds like it has hit each of us in a in a very particularly different way. Uh, I saw this as a question that was really about you know what direction of the industry do you want to chase after in mm. and sometimes in sacrifice of other opportunities that may be easier or that maybe you're getting some really good feedback about. And I think that that's kind of cool that everybody's got their own reaction to this question and what it means to them. But doesn't that also kind of coincide with uh, uh, your subject matter and stuff? Just you, you, There are certain markets that you just can't really be successful in. Uh, what what, 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 you, how, why, what makes you say that? Uh, take, um, uh, let's take pastels and let's take, uh, abstract pastels and you want to be in, in this sci-fi fantasy market. It's just not going to happen. Well, no, (laughs) definitely not. But But you can get even more specific than that. Like say I sit down to do a sample. I could go in any number of directions. If I want to do a middle grade cover versus a magic card. Completely different things. If I want to do middle grade cover, I need to show young boys and girls in heroic <laughs> situation. It's true. That's what they want. Um, a more saturated palette, action. You know, Magic Card has a whole different feel. It's way mm-hmm. more edgy, way more adult. Um, so, you you know, it's, it'd be nice to just sit down and, you know, when you're creating samples and just do what you want and avoid. But you really you do have to kind of think of the market you want to pursue or the portfolio you want to make for the and gear uh, your, your portfolio to where you want it to go. Well, let me ask, Alan. Uh, it, it, you have no problem staying within your uh, aesthetic comfort zone while you're doing that, right? I mean, it's no problem working highly saturated, working with young adults, that kind of stuff. I mean, that's transitioning from one to the other isn't an issue for you, right? No, and it all, it, no, and it all is painted by me, so it all has a certain right. look, even though one is definitely appeals to a different audience than another, right? Right. Yeah, you're accessing different, uh, you know, uh, uh, yeah. a different part of your your, your skill set and knowledge base, you know. And, and this actually know. ties into the third part of our conversation as well. We could talk about that later. But, the, well, the interesting thing is it, it you could do uh, a job that comes through to you and <clears throat> you get labeled as that type of illustrator just because you worked on that job, you know. Uh, I, I've had a few people think that I'm like a pulp person just because I did uh, Tarzan and the Princess of Mars. You just mm-hmm. you you do those subject matters and they just you just oh you're that guy. So that's why you gotta you gotta constantly churn stuff out that kind of ha- casts a wider net so you don't get pigeonholed. Right, oh, right. But it is interesting. Uh, you you have heard, of course. Um, you, most art directors aren't going to give you any work unless you've actually done something that looks like it. Well, see, that's the experience that I've had is that you – I feel like illustration is like this giant candy store where you could be doing card art. You can be doing movie stuff. You can be doing video game stuff. You can be doing young adult. But no one is going to hire you to do those things until you show them work that is that specific – that is specific to that thing. Like, I work as an illustrator in a very highly commercial, uh, you know, venue by doing storyboards for commercials. You know, that's kind of my primary gig. Yeah, all you have to do is put yourself in the shoes of those hiring 
Would you yeah. hire someone? I'm not going to get a you know? book gig from my storyboard portfolio. You know, and I'm not going to get storyboard work if I have churned out a bunch of magic card samples. Like one of the things I feel like if you have a good, solid portfolio of any kind, what that will get you is a first conversation with an art director in a different in a different venue. And the first thing they're going to tell you is, "This work is awesome. If you could show me some samples that look like what I do, that would be great." Totally, <laughs> well, I heard that today. Yeah, totally. <laughs> so your port your portfolio as it stands right now will get you a meeting and that's a great and valuable meeting to get and chances are someone without your portfolio couldn't even get that meeting so but you get that meeting and what they're going to tell you is you're cool i loved talking to you for 20 minutes or whatever but show me some more of st- so show me some stuff that looks like what i do and then we'll see if we can talk again yeah yeah Yep, I, I agree. <laughs> but I think getting back getting back to the question or the, the topic. Sorry, yeah, I think it's, I took it's, derailed it. Well, no, no, it's okay. But I think it's important because that's I, – I agree with you, Clark, but I also think it's a little bit of a trap. And I think that what the question is getting at is, you know, you can you can do that too. You can say, okay, I want to be a magic artist. I'm going to go make a whole bunch of magic samples. But what you're not doing that is, is really ex- necessarily exploring – your voice, your, 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 there's a goal there. You're saying, I'm going to go and I'm going to create something that looks, has that aesthetic where I think one of the most important exercises you can do as an artist is to, is to make some stuff that's really just for you with no rules, with no goal. Just, let's just make I, Rebecca. I'm working on that mentorship with Rebecca and she says this all the time. She's like, just, just go make something beautiful. Now, I mean, it's easier for her to say, cause that's what she does, but you know, take, take that to heart. If you, if you can sit down and give yourself however much time you have during the week to, to do this kind of thing, to sit down and just say, okay, I'm just going to make something that I like. I doesn't have to look like anything. There's no rules. There's no judging. I'm just going to draw some stuff and I'm going to see what happens. That's when you really start, I think, to discover what, what your voice is. I agree with everything you're saying, but the point problem with that is you might not end up with a commercially a commercial you, illustration portfolio you might not at the end of them. Yeah. you might not you might not and i think that that's why um i'm saying what i'm saying in that i think that the pursuit that you're after is is commendable and fabulous and obviously that's a part of everything that we're talking about but you also get presented with with commercially viable opportunities along the way and you have to decide whether those opportunities are I'm not saying you got to sit in a cave and do nothing but you know make finger paintings I'm saying pay your bills do it however you can make those magic samples do all that stuff but at the same time don't cheat yourself of the t- of of you time well I'll use a metaphor then I suppose it's a good metaphor uh it's sort of like fishing in the ocean I mean there's a uh, there's food on every level, and some of it's uh, uh, pretty easy to get uh, when you're uh, riding near the surface. And sometimes you just really kind of have to uh, you have to explore different parts of the ocean. It's a great big sea of potential out there, creative potential, and and there's no reason why in a long life a person can't do very many things and uh, find a lot of things that they uh, they are they are that are validating as well as uh, several of them that have some kind of uh, 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 potential for a commercial, uh, 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 you know, gain. You can make money and you can make art and uh, you can do them all at the same time. And uh, uh, that's uh, that's probably the, the goal state, isn't it? Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, I think the hard part is putting it on the fast track. You know, if you if you have goals of gaining certain clients right. or certain certain work within a year or two, you know, why, why three is, three why decades of building up images isn't going to. But why is it important to to be on that track? I mean, I, look, everybody wants to like get those clients now, but why? Why? Why can't, is it? A, I mean. So you can sustain, I, I think, so you can uh, uh, make a living doing it so that you can do more of it. You know, I think uh, uh, from my point of view, I just I, I would uh, I would hate to have to do something else with right. my time. Right. You might right. want to give yourself a little goal plan and be like, OK, I can do some gaming stuff for a while while I do my other stuff, you know, you build up that other portfolio. Yep. But, yep. but in order to get that first work, you do kind of have to do stuff that's more commercially viable, yep. even right. though it might not be whatever you want to paint i just did uh, i i had i did a bunch of cho- i did a, a job that was uh, a pretty extensive for a commercial client that was very children's book oriented and i was really really proud of the way the work came out and i'm considering spreading this work around but i'm like honestly is this it's a style that i can do and it was interesting but do i feel that this is really representative of me and if i spread it around people are going to want me to continue to to work like this right. and i'm not Stuff so sure portfolio. I want that. you don't want to well, do. i think it's all in having a bunch of nom de plume then i think you just you're you can be three or four different people can't you <laughs> well also it's the beauty of freelance if people offer that to you you have the right to decline you know and, and if right. you find yourself being pigeonholed and going down that track you can stop stop it in your tracks um yeah i remember D- D- dando santos talking about how when he first started out he started doing all these uh, oil paintings of ballet yeah. dancers or something and how yeah. he, he put a halt to that right away thinking you know i don't want to do that for my whole career anyway yeah, and I mean, he was able to do that because he had, a, you know, he was able to produce other kinds of work and keep that income going. But it's true, like you know, one one strategy for for doing the kind of exercise that I'm talking about is to take the kind of work that you can do and that you can get work doing, and make sure that you spend some of your other time developing your voice. But yeah, you got to pay your bills. Yeah, and ideally, yeah. your obviously your voice is going to be in those other samples too, because you're the one painting them. Right, and you can be you can find you can be quite surprised at how uh, 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 rewarding it is to work outside of your comfort zone and to try new things. Absolutely, and, yeah. I mean, that's one of the big thrills in my life is to get a job. Like, come on, can I actually do this? <laughs> so three weeks later, I'm thinking that is that was the most fun I've ever had in my whole life. <laughs> but let me ask let me ask you all all of you guys this: How do you feel about actually that taking that experimental work? even if it comes out quite good and you're very happy with it and putting it out there as a commercial sample and feeling like people will start to understand you as that thing. I think it's good. Um, yeah. Very important too, I think. I've, I'm even as, a, as, to... a, as an addition to your portfolio. Yeah, yeah. Perfect. I've actually got a project that as soon as I finish up a bulk of my uh, commission work that I, I've, I've got a plan and I'm hoping it, it – it does exactly that. I want to. I've got a series of paintings that I want to do, that I hope just kind of turn into portfolio pieces. Um, so Magically. Just, yeah. Well. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Hopefully. Or or here the you know there's the other situation that comes up. You know I, I feel like I'm in that boat where, you know like you're you get all this commission work you're doing all this work and. I, none of it see, is geared towards some of the clients that I want to 
work for that I think I want to work for. So it's like my portfolio is growing, but none of it is of any interest to some of these clients. Now I've written a whole year of on the topic of, of chasing opportunities that come your way because they're a commercially viable and good opportunities versus the thing that Mark is talking about, which is pursuing your own personal voice and hoping that your voice finds a market just for being itself. Well, I, I think to be fair, I think you have to do both. I don't think it's realistic for, for most people to, you know, sit in a room and make their paintings and then, you know, hope somebody comes along and buys them. I, th I think that you have to, well, I want to get, I want to get back to something that Alan said, yeah. and I think it's right, is those pieces that are your pieces that you uh, created for yourself that are uh, intrinsically valuable to you, that uh, you don't have to explain to yourself, there's no rationale, it's just something that kind of comes out of your process. Those are the pieces that, that are kind of, they're the cornerstones of your uh, portfolio. And everything else in your portfolio is kind of bouncing off of the the, uh, the meter, or the the time of those you know those kinds of pieces of music, and uh, it just becomes uh, that's probably gets back to the original uh, uh, topic. This is where you find your style is in those things that you really just want to do for their own. I mean, you'll spend forty, fifty, sixty hours on something that that you're not getting paid for while you're doing it because it's really what you want to do. Yeah, I'm looking forward to doing some of that stuff. <laughs> <laughs> Buried in deadlines, are yeah. And the more and the more commercial laden samples can be the bulk of your portfolio, and yeah, have the other ones just uh, accentuate it. Really, as long as they're not com completely different, you know. Right. By subject matter, I mean, or, mar <laughs> or market, or you know. So I guess I guess we're just leaning right into our last topic: uh, strategies for the long-term viability of your practice. All right. So the big goal in an artist's career also relates to the above point, uh, the sweet spot. Uh, don't bite off too much or make too big commitments. Uh, things to make sure you can keep doing for the long haul of eventual success uh, is what oh is what we are currently doing sust sustainable how do we prepare ourselves for the ups and downs of this career man that is kind of uh, <laughs> a loaded question I guess especially when you're in the middle of your career yeah exactly or at the beginning it's of your career like it's, it's easier to reflect on that stuff when you're, you know, 90 and say, oh, yeah, that's, <laughs> that's the long-term arc of my career. I No, I'm just literally taking it day by day right now. Yeah. I do think a lot of what we spoke to earlier kind of speaks to this, this topic as well, though, as far as even though you paint in a certain way, um, if you kind of touch your toes into enough markets um, – you know, you kind of, like I said earlier, you cast a wider net and you're able to sustain yourself by working in a lot of different fields, whether it's, you know, you might be children's books, do some editorial stuff, do some book covers, some gaming. You know, the more stuff you can dip your toes into, the better, because when work dries up in one or two of those, you'll still have some stuff going. 
And that's what keeps you in the business for a long time. And to be honest, it makes it more interesting because you're doing different projects all the time. Do you feel like you're able to actually sustain all of those different avenues of the of your career at, at one time? Um, I think so. Okay. Well, I, I can't, You can't you, be nothing but, you know, if you dive into children's books and do nothing but children's books, obviously that's what you do. But if you want to do a children's book, do some magic cards do a cover here and you know what i mean you can do a lot of different stuff and that to me that's the beauty of freelance you can pick and choose what you want to do and or some of us are predisposed to that kind of uh, v- variation anyway i mean it's it's easier to, for me to change things up than it is to do two or three pieces in the same uh, uh kind of style uh in a row and do you all feel like you can get the different aspects of the industry to respond to the work that you do like sort of dipping in here and there or do you, or do you feel like you have to make a really massive full court press towards one thing to get the kind of resonance or response that you really want to have happen? I think well, that's the hard part. You can't pursue yeah. it all at once. It takes time. It takes yeah. time. Time yeah. is my big issue. It's like, oh, here's something that's really cool, and oh, I think that's really cool too. But you have to train your focus on one thing in order to actually see. I, I the- think at the beginning, yes, you're right. Right. Well, otherwise you send out mixed signals yeah. as to who you are uh, and what what are you selling. Um, uh, that I mean, I even though I'm new to this career, I you know I spent a long time in design, so you know that I don't do as much as I used to, but I still do enough to to uh, you know pay pay some bills. Um, but you guys don't know me as a graphic designer. Um, I mean, I do. Well, you do. But, I, I mean, <laughs> the, well, the interesting thing is my... You kern uh, beautiful. <laughs> my, my Google Analytics speaks for itself. <laughs> you know, no one's looking for my design site. Um, I, I probably... I get more people on my illustration site in a day than I do in a month at my design site. Um, but I'm not pushing that. I was going to say, you're not telling anybody about it. That's probably why. Uh, well, no, your illustrations, that's just me over and over and over again from different computers. <laughs> <laughs> oh, thanks. But, but the thing is, I can actually make more money in doing the design stuff with zero traffic than I can with a million times more traffic on my illustration site. Wow. Wow. Um, and I did for 10 years where I did, I had no marketing. I had nothing. I did absolutely nothing. Um, and I did fine, you know, just like any, you know, successful person that on the street that, you know, you don't really know anything about them and they're doing just fine. But, well, you, you know, charge more as a designer, can't you? I mean, is that's really the truth is, is generally speaking, uh, it's a very rarefied, uh, set of people that can, uh, uh, earn say seventy five dollars an hour illustrating, and then as a designer, that's not that's not too hard to bill out. Right, but you don't need any, you don't need a lot of skills to to bill that out, and you need a lot more skill for the stuff that we do, which is so it's kind of frustrating. But you know, thanks for finding. There's probably more people <laughs> looking for design work too. Am I right? Uh, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, to some degree, most it's a lot of it's production stuff. Um. So, 
Yeah, I, yeah. It, it, there's a lot more demand for it, but yeah, I've seen plenty of. of uh, well, the average bank needs a designer. You know, I mean, they've got a design department in just about every uh, uh, mini to 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 moderate size company, and they're all looking for uh, uh, at least temporary help. And uh, and those temporary people often, you know, work for several months at a time and. Yeah, get employed. They need websites to What's really striking me about what you just said, Aaron, is everything that you just said is like a massive argument towards uh, point number two that we're talking about. No, I, I actually, there was something that was in the middle of trying to, to point back that I, I felt like I wanted to mention is that, Aaron, you were in the middle of saying that you had all this work in one in one area of your career that you were actually kind of not necessarily fertilizing because you wanted to be working in another area of your career. And, and to me, that was a big sort of that pointed very much towards the question number two, which was about, you know, the, the whatever the sweet spot was, you're right. clearly not driving towards an opportunity of low-hanging fruit that is right in front of your face. You're going, you're making a choice to say, I want my work and my time to be spent doing this other thing. So I'm, you're, I, I just found that interesting, and I thought that that had everything to do with it, what we just talked about. Wow, that's, I've never actually heard it described like that, but that's exactly what had happened. Is I, well, Hopefully I just, you're not walking towards a cliff or something. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, you know, maybe, but it, at least it, it's a it's a nice view on the way down. Um, <laughs> You've thought about this before, haven't you, Aaron? That was that was too quick. I think. <laughs> hey, nice every thought. hey every once in a while, uh, you know, even a broken clock hits twelve or whatever. <laughs> even a broken whatever clock time right it's twice a day, yeah. twice, twice a day, twice a day, yeah, twice a day, whatever. So yeah, uh, I, I I got one once in a while, but yeah, <laughs> you know. I, I, that's exactly what happened. I, I I had no problems doing what I was doing for a few years, and then it started to change, and I wasn't happy about it. I didn't do anything about it, and then one day I did. Well, let me let me say this: I think the incredible upside of uh, um, doing something that you really want to do for your for its own sake, something you're you're committed is a good idea. You're pretty certain that you, that. It's it's going to be something interesting to you and might have some legs, uh, and then having it be accepted. Now that's you know I mean it's a win win. At that point, you've you've taken uh, the step of risking, uh, you know, to move outside of of uh, something that's demonstrably marketable, and uh, and creating something on your own uh, with with uh, potential risk, and uh, and then it's it's uh, it's well accepted. I mean that you couldn't ask for. A better outcome, and then uh, there's so many things you can do after that's happened, you know, and it's, it's a great springboard to the next thing you do. Right, right. Well, I still do some of the design stuff, and but I, it's it's different. I I kind of enjoy the stuff that I do now a, a lot more mm-hmm. than I did in the past, or or not or, but and I, I feel like I've opened up opportunities in in my own this new industry to actually do some more targeted uh, design work, like doing that book for Jim Pavlik, that, um, the Demon book. You know, mm-hmm. that, was a, that was a lot of fun, and I, got, you know, I, I had the skills to do it, but it was something I wanted to do. Yeah, I've actually gotten into, <clears throat> I got my first 
job at a game company at Electronic Arts in part because I had a very strong web design background and they were looking for somebody who understood things like image optimization and, you know, pixel limits and all that stuff. Um, so I think part of the, part of the question and the answer, I feel like it's a pat answer. I feel like we've, we've sort of said this a million times, but if you've got another skill, you know, use it. It's the same thing we were saying before. You know, if you want to be, if you want to be doing some kind of work with your own voice, but you're not there yet, you have to pay the bills. So, you know, don't, Start, don't be a starving artist because if you're starving, you're not thinking about making art. You're thinking about putting food on the table. So, so you know, use those other. Use those other. That's how you make it sustainable. You have backups. You have a backup style. You have a backup market. If it's not, maybe it's not illustration. Maybe it's you know, maybe it's web design. Maybe it's you know something else that you can do that you're more or less happy doing. Um, in, if things get tight. Yeah, I think one other thing that needs needs mentioning and more of a practical sense is. You know, if you do get, are lucky enough to get a couple big jobs, you know, set that money aside because, as we all know, it's feast or famine, right? So, mm-hmm. in order to keep sustained and keep going, um, you'll need some of that savings to get you through times when checks aren't coming in. Yeah, uh, that's a good try. Yeah. <laughs> if anything, uh, I've heard um, uh, Rebecca Gay. I think she said that her and her husband they saved up enough money to live for two years uh, i think a year a year or two um if you're doing a, a major switch and you don't have uh, a huge you know cushion of money set aside it, it's just not going to work you need to it, it takes a long time to get to do yeah. a switch like that yeah you basically need to be unemployed for a while on purpose but you know, you're working the entire time but I mean, I basically was unemployed for about a year or more. While you were transitioning from design work to illustration, finished illustration work. Yeah, yeah. Well, my my first like my first master class was two thousand eight. Right. And Which is where I, yeah I was where I was there. Uh, that was where I met you actually. Right. And but my my first mm-hmm. full my first full year as an illustrator was two thousand ten. Wow. Okay. So, you know, this is this is the beginning of year three. Um, so it, it's it's been a long, a bit of a long journey. But you know, I keep, I keep thinking back. You know, it really, it's only been a short time that the people hiring in the industry have even noticed that I exist. It's only been a really short time. Yeah, in the grand scheme of things, it's you've progressed very quickly. Yeah, I'll so. say. Well, you have to remind them again and again. You have to. You remember. I mean, uh, uh, they might remember your name uh, for a month or two after the first uh, uh, time that you meet them, or that you send them something, or that they see your work, and they have to be reminded because there's a lot of art out there. A lot of people that are continuing to push that stuff out, and uh, you know, part yes. of the process is just becoming friends with these people. Uh, that's an interesting. That's an interesting point, um, and and it, and it kind of gets back to the first point uh, in, in terms of making something sustainable. Like I, I know that I love making art, but I, I don't feel like I can do it for sixteen hours a day every day and just and, and have that be it. Like I also like to write. I also like to share ideas. I like to, you know, I like to do those demos that we do, Aaron, and I like to do. I like to do lots of other things, and all of that stuff. 
never mind professionally, just on a personal level, that stuff feeds me. So in, in, order, to, in order to sustain myself as an artist, I need to build in essentially like mental breaks. Um, for me, that's like going running with my dogs and working out. It's, um, it's cooking. It's cooking. It's, it's all of these other things that have nothing to do, quote unquote, nothing to do with, you know, uh, becoming a better artist, but it is, but it does, it feeds that. It provides me the, the emotional and mental space to come back fresh and really attack those things. And I don't know anybody that doesn't need those breaks. <laughs> I mean, don't you though? Because I feel like I definitely know artists that are, are, are really less okay in the world that actually, I mean, I certainly know artists that have a, a, a much higher threshold for being alone and for working in the studio, you know, for hours and hours and hours for, for days in a row. That's awesome. And, uh, actually for those guys. It's, awesome. it's awesome for them. But to me, it looks kind of horrible. But I, I do think that one of the well, they'll things... have bad backs and carpal tunnel. And... <laughs> Not to mention a host of hygiene issues. <laughs> well, seem... you'll you'll also hear that you know that having relationships is is kills kill the 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 best of the best aren't married, don't have kids, don't have relationships, don't do anything but their art. It, it's one of those. You know, you love everything about that person except them as a person. When you once you find out how they have to live their life, uh, I mean, of course, that's not everybody, but every once in a while, you see that, like, wow, this is the most amazing stuff I've ever seen in the world. I want to do that until you find out how they live, and you're like, oh, maybe not. That's I don't want to do that. That's that. the worst. That's um, to me, that's absolutely not acceptable as as a way to as a way to exist. Right, so, but that's how some of the most amazing things that we've ever witnessed in our lives have have come to be. Um, and you, you I know. think I think you can have those times, and 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 I like Alan says, there's people who that's what's good for them. I think it's malarkey to say to anyone, this is how you have to build your schedule and this is how you have to build your life because everybody, everybody's just different and it's not a cop-out. It's, it's really legitimately true. What works for you, Aaron, probably, I mean, actually what works for you probably does work for me because we're pretty similar in terms of what we do, <laughs> but, but maybe what works for Alan or Jeff or Clark, like maybe those things don't work for me. Um, and it, all of these topics are connected. Like I, I can give, I can give, I can tell you everything about about everything I do, it doesn't mean it's going to work for you. Actually, there's a great movie, uh, and we just watched this last night, called Being in the World. And disclosure, my, my ex-brother-in-law made the movie. It's a great movie. Oh. Um, it's called Being in the World. It's about what it means to be human, looking through the lens of four masters of their craft. Uh, one of whom, is, you know, there's, there's like a Japanese uh, house builder, and, and this guy is incredible, and there's a flamenco player. Um, the, the, the woman who I'm thinking of is this chef, Leah Chase down in, um, New Orleans. And she, she's this ancient, ancient woman. And she's like, I, I think I don't remember what exactly she said, but basically she said, I, I can give you, I can give you all the recipes and I can tell you everything about what it is that I do, but maybe you just can't do what I do. And I think, and I think that's true. I think that comes back to the first question. You, know, you can share all this information, but you're not. You're really not shooting yourself in the foot. Like Donato can show you everything about you know how he paints, but you probably aren't going to paint like Donato just because you saw that. And I can right. tell you everything about how I like to run my life and my schedule, and it really, really works for me. But it might not work for you. Um, it might not even be. It might even hurt you. 
but you, you know, but, but I can share it with you. Um, what's the name of it again? It's called being in the world. I think if you just Google search, Google search for being in the world movie, I think it's being in the world. I think it's actually being in the world movie.com. Let me see. Okay. Uh, being in the world movie.com. Yeah. You can download it. It's, it's downloadable. Excellent. Um, it's awesome. Actually, the first time I saw it, I, I was lucky enough to get a DVD because, uh, because again, it was my ex brother-in-law who made it, but he, and he's still a very good friend. He, uh, he get, he lent me the DVD that he had made and I watched it and I just watched it like twice in a row. And then I think I watched <laughs> it again later that weekend. It was so inspiring and it was so, it's, it's like all these topics, it was sort of hit to the heart of everything that we're, we're talking about. You know, there's, there's all of these different ways that it's, it's good to do these things and maybe not these things and maybe it works for you, maybe it works for you. But at the heart of it, you know, we're trying to, we're trying to create things that, that, that feed us, that, that make, that make us happy. And we're, and we're, and we're putting ourselves in that when we're doing that, when we're really doing that from a pure place, we, we, we get in what's, you know, in sports is called the zone and, and, you know, we're, we're, we're feeding ourselves and we're feeding our art and we're growing. And, and there's a, there's a beautiful synergy when we're in that moment. Um, and it, it appears effortless at least at the time. Yeah. Yeah. And so, Whatever you try to repeat it, right? But whatever, yes. you, whatever you have to do, whether it's doing design work or whether it's you know uh, working at Starbucks or whether it's doing other kinds of illustration, it doesn't matter. Like whatever you have to do to give yourself time to, to find that place, I think that's valuable. I have a uh, one of my closest friends is a, uh, a world class jazz bass player, and he uh, he and I talk about the zone all the time. And, uh, there's a jazz musician in the movie. That's right. Sorry. Yeah. Oh, wonderful. Yeah. Wonderful. Well, that's perfectly topical. And he, uh, uh, I, I think it, when I talk to him about this, it's as if we're talking about the same thing. I don't think there's any difference between his music and my art in that way. Uh, he's, uh, he, he does what he has to do during the day and he has a successful business as a builder. Uh, but his, I don't think anything is going to, uh, uh, pay him the dividends that his, uh, music does. Um, yeah, on a, on a on a sort of soul level. Oh God! I mean, everything that he does, all his energy seems to come from music, you know. And uh, it's not like he doesn't live a a, a a life well beyond music. It's it's just he always comes back to that. It's the it's the kind of the source, the wellspring for all of his uh, enthusiasm. Well, the weird thing is, is most people work jobs that they hate. You know, or at best, work jobs that have nothing to do with who they actually are. When when they you know punch the clock or or leave their place of business, right. and we are actually doing stuff for a business that is stuff that we got involved in because it was what we did with our time off. Right, we're, right. We're sort of like cops and firemen in a way. If you think about a cop, <laughs> a cop. <laughs> I can't wait to see. Where this I want to hear this. This sentence is going to be amazing. But it's it's easy. What if you ever go to a party with a cop? The cop is going to be a cop when he's off duty. You know, uh-huh. he, if something happens, he's going to be he's going to be the cop guy. You know, he he's going to be he's always a cop, whether he's on or off. Um, and you know, where maybe they they might not love it or hate it, but mo- I think most people that get into that line of work do it because they want to. Um, so I think we're sort of in the same position. We show up to a party where we're the artist, right? 
I I admit my extended family uh, has a, a, a special place for me in terms of behavior. <laughs> <laughs> they all that nobody expects. Was that a Cajun converse? Yeah, <laughs> it's very similar. I mean, I, I hate to. I, I want to bring this back around to to the to the third point that we're supposed to be addressing, and what it kind of, what it kind of leads me to believe is none of us have any idea. Like, how does this? How does what we're doing, in, you know, inform or speak to the long term viability of what we do? I have no idea. Like, I'm just happy that it's working right now. Well, and that's, I, that, that, but that's assuming that there is one one goal um, where I think a lot of people are figuring out through their life is that it doesn't have to be one goal. You could have five different careers in your lifetime and each one is okay. Um, like my design career was just fine. There's nothing wrong with it. I just decided to change it. it it's not an easy thing to, to change, but, or, or think about a person who is an entrepreneur who, uh, who has a failed business that, that doesn't say that they're a failure. They go out and they create another one. And, and then they say that they wouldn't be as successful as they are today if they hadn't have failed a few times. Well, I definitely think that there are, are, are kinds of business people out there in the world that are concerned with things like the long-term viability of their plan. And like you know, who? Uh, you know, people, you know, <laughs> those people out there. I think it would be uh, easier to let go of a, of a pizza shack than my art, though. If, right. you know, if I was a manager yeah. at Pizza Shack and it didn't work out, I could let go of that. But I'd really have a hard time, you know, saying, well, I don't think the art thing worked out. I don't I don't I don't necessarily have to do that. Well, I think that's what makes you an artist, because whether you're paid or not, you're going to keep you're still going to do it. Yeah. Well, there, but but then don't tell the art directors. That. Yeah. But, right. then, <laughs> exactly. but, but there's is there a, a way to do what that? we do and actually say, oh, you know what? I've hit upon some sort of creative sweet spot that I'm going to, I don't think I could ride this for five years. I'm just going to roll this right into the sunset. Like, I don't think that <laughs> there is a version of that that is, that yeah. it doesn't immediately become trite and stagnant. Like, I think part of what we do is we, obviously everybody wants to be well connected and successful and to book lots of jobs. But I think that on the downside of what we do is you kind of have to live in the now in your career in terms of like, well, I'm booking a lot of jobs right now, or I'm excited about what I'm painting right now, and I have no idea where it's going to go. That's I I, I, that's exactly. I forget who said it at the beginning of the, when we started talking about this topic, but this is kind of the topic where you do look at it at the end of your career, you know, mm. uh, to see, you know, if you did sustain that or maintain that viability of your practice. Um, and like I said, if you're an artist, you're going to keep finding a way to do it. You're going to find a way. Yeah. Well, at least yeah, I feel like that that's the goal. Um, though I keep thinking that for someone like us, maybe it's, it's those um, subject matters that change that could change your career. Someone like... That's- uh, uh, Turpening, you know, he was an illustrator and mm-hmm. he fell in love with, I mean, I don't know the whole story. I'm just kind of guessing here that he fell in love with the stuff out West and started painting that stuff and that changed his career. Um, and, and I could see the same thing for me. If, if my subject matter needed to fall uh, somewhere else, then that's going to change the the. The conventions I, think, I go to, the people I hang out with, um, to a degree, uh, is it? Aren't you feeling that a little bit, Mark? 
um, changing a little over to, to push yourself more into um, what am I feeling? editorial. That, <laughs> no, that, that, that there are going to be some, some change-ups in, in the places you go and some of the, yeah, I'm, the I'm connections you're making. I'm, I'm, I'm yeah. Right now, I'm thinking about signing up for a conference that is going to mean skipping the last day of the IMC. Wow. Well, could, that, that's a very fluid thing. That could be um, a reaction to a certain painting you did or a certain way you painted. And if, if you enjoy it and you want to pursue it, you might jump on it. I know, you know, I know a lot of illustrators that turn to the Western fine art thing. You know, and plus I think there's new stuff coming on uh, all the time. I mean, that's it, uh, bubbling up. There are new uh, ways to uh, uh, the, the things are being. Uh, 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 put together that that uh, an artist in the right position can find themselves uh, advantageously right at the beginning of something with a style that's uh, ready made for. Uh, I, I don't want to use a callous term exploiting uh, that kind of an opportunity where you've just got all of those things are put together at the right time for uh, the right opportunity and and that's something that maybe uh, is like what Aaron's talking about where you just. Uh, uh, your where you're grooving and where you've been heading dovetails perfectly in some kind of synchronicity with uh, uh, the evolution of a genre or uh, or a way of depicting things that that uh, is to your advantage and the advantage of the medium you're working in. Yeah, I agree. I mean, yeah, because I think that t- you know the the industry and technology could change so rapidly that you may find yourself like with a vein of gold. You know, in right. one particular place in your life, and that could completely dry up in like two years. <laughs> and you're thinking to yourself, like, "Oh, I've totally found my niche, and I'm just going to ride this into the sunset. And I'm going to be rich, do this for 20 years, and then like the two best years later, there's a... ever. <laughs> <laughs> all the more reason to have your toes in different pools. Yeah, so I just don't think that there's any way. Uh, I mean, and I am very open to being argued down around this. I just don't necessarily know that there is a way for us given what we do, to create some kind of a long-term viability plan and not get laughed out of town in, like, two or three years. You could if if you knew the field wasn't changing, maybe, but... Yeah, I don't think think you ever get to know that. You can't get really so fluid. But then again, it it comes down to your subject matter. If you want to be a portrait artist, I don't think you're going to run into a lot of... no No one in the world wants a portrait anymore. Um... So it's all photographs. I think the trick is to be successful and then uh, to later uh, uh, pretend that you know what you were doing. <laughs> Honestly, <laughs> you're, you're kind of right about that. Is to you know, I definitely think that you have to be constantly adapting yourself to what the industry and the economy are are are, are kind of saying. This is where things are going, and still find a way to to express your own personal voice of, amongst those changes. Otherwise, you could end up being like a you know a sax player from an eighties from Huey Lewis in the News. I'm sure that guy thought he had hey, you know hey. he had a, he was like I have totally found my niche. I think I think Huey Lewis is still relevant. I'd just like to say that. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I didn't mean to offend anybody, but I, he, look, uh, he's got the power. Well, how about if you're a, 
How about a professional golfer who uh, who finds the perfect swing and they can hit it 270 yards down and center of the fairway every time and they can gauge their irons <laughs> down and and all of a sudden this guy named Tiger Woods comes on and three or four Start years later everybody's designing girlfriends. courses that are 100 yards further than you're used to playing and all of your skill set is uh, uh, left right. hanging in the wind. Right. right. That's true. That's that's true. It's and it's totally relevant in our field. It is. Hoping to be that guy. Yeah. To end that on a hugely down note. Yeah, I'm really sorry. You have to actually, you know, God will laugh at your plans no matter what they are. But. Well, I guess. Well, if God is a comedian, uh, he certainly uh, finds great uh, uh, solace in uh, watching us. Well, I think maybe, uh, maybe a good point. Play. Maybe a good point is to have to attain that long-term viability is to have constant shorter term goals you know nice. that, that you achieve nice. yeah and then as long as you're constantly making goals you'll constantly be evolving you'll constantly be challenging yourself uh, and, <laughs> like, and then at the end you know 80 years from now you could say yeah i made it work yeah, let me ask you I, something I, I just, i'm gonna live to over 100 yeah <laughs> i have a quick question for anybody that wants to answer do, do you guys uh, i get the sense that this is uh, a more volatile uh, marketplace than there's ever been. I mean, uh, uh, really, in ter- in just just in terms of uh, style changes, uh, uh, things are rippling across the globe, and we're picking up influences and, and uh, attitudes from different countries and different little uh, micro pockets. Uh, 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 it's an especially relevant uh, topic to discuss one's uh, uh, ability to be light on one's feet. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. To remain viable, especially in in the here and now. The life of the world we actually live in right now. Yeah, it's true. But there's and, also there's so many artists. Um, you know, take the digital. A lot of the digital work now. Some of it is starting to all look the same, even by different artists. I think. Mm-hmm. I agree. I agree. So there's that. a little bit of that going on too. Yeah, that's. Maybe it's able to consolidate. Uh, uh, it almost has to, I think, uh, uh, to a certain point, because we we can't live in a constant state of flux. Uh, in terms of culture and society, you know, I mean, we, there has to be uh, something that people touch on regularly that they can share with others, and that, of course, develops. It's going to be a little bit, a little bit of both. People kind of starting to look the same, but again, there's always going to be new and great stuff being done too. So, okay. hopefully. But I do think, like, if you if you look at people that were making, who were movie making in the '70s and '80s, who were at the top of their field model makers or, you know, creature designers who were doing, you know, some of the greatest science fiction films that we used to see in the 70s and 80s, like E.T. and Star Wars and whatever. And the and computer modeling changed everything about their careers. Yeah. Ray Harryhausen, right? Yeah. Right, yeah. I mean, you know, he was, he was like, as good as it gets at, at, in his day, and his day changed, like, probably within three to five years. Everything was, you know, becoming a computer model at that point, and you have to, in our position, be ready to handle changes like that, or, or, or you, you risk getting completely left behind, I think. I think a lot, of those, kind of, our, a lot of those kind of artists might have had to change from... Uh, you know, building more life-size models to maybe doing little sculpts that the digital artist can scan and put in the computer. So there's there's still the work out there. You just have, like you said, you have to adapt and change and, and do, do yeah. what's necessary for whatever technology is present. That happened at least in the design world because I, I was kind of there for that, um, where there were still a lot of uh, companies doing paste up, and and I was. 
I, I was working at the Chicago Tribune when they were getting computers and and like the head art one of the head art department guys like didn't know how to use a computer wow. and or all of the whole department except for one guy he he started learning computer and all those guys got fired because they didn't want to learn a computer and they're gone because they're all hands manual stuff so yeah it it's it can change Here's something else to consider that, that uh, we have really haven't talked about is there are styles uh, that remain relevant through time. And, you know, we, we talked about Donato. This is a very classic style. It's never going to go out of vogue. And if uh, one uh, really wants to remain viable, uh, uh, one can tie oneself to uh, styles that are so central to any genre that they're going to be applicable no matter how much the terrain seems to have changed. You know, I mean, uh, uh, the, the more grounded you are in, in the, the, the most essential fundamentals of picture making and the more you apply those to all uh, to your problem solving in your projects, the more likely you are to remain viable no matter how much things change, right? Even that's a little tough, though, too, because there might be only room for a certain amount of wow. artists that work in that that kind of style for the, the trends at the time. Like, even yeah. right now, I mean, you see the trend towards photo, photo manipulation covers and, and type treatments. So, the room for realist painters on fantasy sci-fi book covers is smaller than it was a decade ago you know yeah that's true right i I do think that you know alan i i have to applaud you for pulling us out of a a, you know an abyss and and putting (laughs) forward this idea of you know a lifetime of short-term goals i think yeah it might be the best solution is 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 i think the, the best raft to swim towards in terms of in terms of that, because even like, for example, you know, even Donato's career has changed based on what films are in the marketplace at that time. You know, when we went to the first IMC, he was doing that Iron Man painting, you know, a, because he was really into Iron Man because when he was 12, but also because the, the Iron Man movie was coming out and he was like, Hey, they're going to make this Iron Man movie and I'm going to sell this painting at this convention. And I think that that was a great example of a short term goal. That was in, that was influenced by maybe maybe longer arced influences going on there, but he saw an opportunity to further his career, you know, with one painting over the course of a short term goal. Yeah, and that's a very, that's a good example of a very specific one, but right. Well, I think that you know, get enough of those going that's, on, and suddenly that's you what have goals a are. Career. I think that's yeah. what, I think that you know, <laughs> if your goal is to be getting you know tons of work for your high end painting, you know, whatever, whatever. Your your next goal absolutely should be to make your next painting a great painting, whatever that is. You know, so I think I think you know, there, you can have goals that are nebulous, like you know, I want to get a, you know my next job or next job with a higher money or you know whatever. But my next one's going to be mediocre. Yeah, well, <laughs> that's shoot for the middle. <laughs> the bigger target. Man, I, I love you guys. <laughs> Yeah, I'm actually working on a piece right now that I'm doing. Um, I'm doing actually for for free. I did. My my wife and a number of friends of ours are heavily involved in the Occupy Wall Street stuff. So I'm uh, I'm doing an illustration for a poster because I want to get more of this kind of work that's paid 
and you know, I like this group and I like these ideas and I have an idea for this poster. So I'm doing this, I'm doing this just for me really. Um, and, and me is, I'm going to enjoy making this thing. And also me is my career. Like, I hope this thing gets me more work like this. That's a good well, short term yeah. goal. It's a good, yes. Yeah. <laughs> and you can evaluate a success after it's over. I mean, it won't be, it won't be long before you can, uh, you can start getting feedback. Yeah, no, exactly. I can, I can get feedback right now if I want, but thank you. You just did. I don't. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, email it to us right now. No. <laughs> no way. As my, as my son would say, Oh no. <laughs> it's like one of the few things he knows how to say. <laughs> anyway, I think I think we I think we may have actually wrapped up. <laughs> yeah, I think so. This has been this great. Is, yeah, this has been a good one, guys. Thanks. Yeah. Excellent. Yeah. No, I'm, nice I'm, to hear from you guys. I've been hoping yeah, to too. join you guys for quite a long time, and I'm really glad that I finally was able to to get on board. So thank you very much for having me. Yeah. Well, I apologize doubly for my uh, snafu early and my snafu in the middle. Uh, what was your snafu? <laughs> oh. <laughs> well, Aaron can just edit it out. Wait, I'm the editor? <laughs> <laughs> now that there's some editing to be done, yeah. See what I did there? <laughs> All right, guys. Awesome. Well, thanks for joining us today and drawing today, and we'll check you later. Bye. Excellent. Bye. Thanks a lot, guys. Take care. <laughs> bye-bye. All right, bye. Have a good night. Thank you for tuning in for another episode of the Drawn Today podcast. If you have any questions or comments on the podcast, feel free to contact us at drawntoday at gmail.com. The Drawn Today podcast is a proud member of the Visual Artist Podcast Network. You can find more information about VAPN at visualartistpodcastnetwork.com. If you'd like to listen to archived episodes of the podcast, please visit us at drawntodaypodcast.com blogspot.com and as always you can find the drawn today podcast on itunes today's music for the podcast was provided by collide find more about collide and their music at collide.net <laughs>